All right, welcome to episode 89 of the Bobbycast, brought to you by Blue Apron. We'll tell you about how good that is in a second. Oh, by the way, let me say this. The first episode of Good Company with Jake Owen. It's a new uh, podcast. It's Jake talking to his buddies about his early life, and it's, uh, it's a podcast. We'll continue to be uh, updated. Just search for Good Company with Jake Owen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. So, Good Company with Jake Owen. I listen and laugh. That's pretty... <laughs> Jake's pretty interesting dude, man. That's our most listened to podcast on this thing, too. It's like... It's got so many downloads because we got into a fight in the middle of it. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I like old Jake. So, there you go. Good Company with Jake Owen is available now. Uh, some things to talk about. Uh, before I talk about Blue Apron, remind me to get back to Blue Apron in a second. Okay. But I was uh, reading this article about Judy Garland. I touched on it on the air this morning a bit. And Judy Garland is Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz was um, before we were born, but I think at least I was born in the 80s. Everybody in my lane had seen the Wizard of Oz. Now, you were born what year? 91. Okay, so you were born in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Had, uh, is that a thing for 90s kids to see Wizard of Oz? I watched it, yeah. Okay. I watched a lot of movies, though. True. <laughs> so I was reading this story about Judy Garland, and I pulled it up just so I wouldn't mess it up. But, by the way, she died in her 40s, and really what we would know her for is just a Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And she was a kid actor, and she did a whole bunch of movies that weren't as big as Wizard of Oz as a kid, and... They, um, I was reading the story, and I saw the story on Reddit. I'm a big redditor. Like I feel Reddit is kind of the the paper for me. Like I read a lot of news sites, but I have to check Reddit about three times a day because it, it moves. It only stays up 24 hours, yeah. and, and everything goes away. But I was reading this story about Judy Garland because they're making a new Wizard of Oz, like a live version of it. I think for television or maybe for movie. You know what I mean? They're doing like have they done those? Yeah, they did one with James Franco. They remade it, but it wasn't very good. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah, but that was like. The all that was like Oz. That yeah. wasn't the there wasn't like a real the Wizard of Oz exact because yeah. they'll do like the Sound of Music and it was exactly the Sound of Music with Carrie Underwood. Mm. So anyway, I think they're doing that like a new version of the exact Wizard of Oz. And so because of that, they're talking about Judy Garland when she was a kid actor. She got the Wizard of Oz at 16 years old, and she's been doing movies for a long time inside of I believe at the time MGM. And what stuck out to me in the article was that they had spies that watched her. And made sure that she kept a steady diet of, from this article, coffee, cigarettes, and chicken soup. And for 17 years, that's what she did. So she could keep her body looking a certain way. And people would watch and make sure. They were hired by the studio to make sure that that's what she did. Like, smoke up to 80 cigarettes a day because that curbs your appetite. So that's what she ate. Coffee, smoked cigarettes... And ate chicken soup. That was her. Those were her meals. And and the article gets really dark too. Even darker. That's already dark. Like you have a kid, and, that's, and it, they would talk about how Judy Garland would to wake up. They'd hit her with adrenaline. They'd shoot her with adrenaline, and it put her to sleep. It was sleeping pills. And can you like in years and years of this? It's horrible. And at times. She would work for 48, 60 hours at a time, sometimes doing multiple movies at once. Like do a movie within hours or the next day, just go to another movie. And that's what would happen. They would give her pills to go to sleep and shoot her with adrenaline to get her going. And you read this and you're like, oh my God. And it even gets into some of the 
harassment and molestation. Yeah. From everyone from executives to the munchkins of the filming of it. And how that while they were making the movie, the adults on the movie were so jealous and resentful of her. Like the main cast of the the lion, the scarecrow, the tin man. They hated her. So they ignored her. And the only person that was nice to her of that whole crew, because she was the kid. She, I mean, she was the main, mm-hmm. but she was the only kid, really, was the Wicked Witch of the West, which in the movie was her enemy. And I read that later, I believe it was the lion, ended up, it could have been the Tin Man. It feels ridiculous talking to them <laughs> in this form. Yeah. Ended up feeling like a total dick and befriending her, and like he was the only one at her funeral from the wizard. It was this story, and I'm going to try to remember to post it, because I talked about it this morning and never posted it. And I, the reason I bring it up again is because I went and I was talking to my therapist today. And I go, I try to go once a week now. I've gone like six weeks in a row, seven weeks in a row. I have a new therapist and going to a therapist is like dating. And I come from a place where I didn't even know what therapy was. Like we were worried about trying to afford a hamburger helper. We weren't worried about, how, how, does you, how do you feel today? Now, for me, especially in this job, like I have to manage. And I've learned more about mental health and it is a thing it's a real thing like mental health mental illness and and I don't want there to be a stigma attached to it so I try to talk about it and there's a a fine line that I have to walk in talking about it and where I don't want to sound like I'm not regular well first of all I'm not regular in many ways like I'm nuts I don't mean in a bad way there's not even a bad way unless you're killing people or like yeah so it's it's a weird thing for me to talk about to go yeah, I'm going to a therapist because a lot of people will go, oh, therapy. I'm going to look at fancy pants over there. Why are you going to a therapy? Or, oh, a therapist. Oh, it's not the most, I don't want there to be a stigma. And I don't want people to go look at old fancy because it's not, for me, it's not a fancy pants thing. It, I, was, I was told to go back to, I wasn't going back to a therapist. I went for years. I loved it. But then just got lazy because it's, it is a commitment psychologically. It's a commitment with your time. It takes me 30 minutes to get there. It's miserable. But then I get there today and I went and I was, the story had moved me so much. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I thought about it all night. Was I going to talk about it on the show today? I was like, I have to talk about it. Talk about it on the show. And then I got into my therapist's office. And part of this article was she, I believe, only sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow twice publicly after The Wizard of Oz. She was singing it to her kids, I believe, that she had. Like Eliza Minnelli, I believe, her daughter. Um, but she, because it was a probably like, terrible memories for her because it's, it's the song from Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. which by the way they almost cut from the movie because they were like mm, this is too sentimental and like that's the song from Wizard of Oz so I go to my therapist's office today and I was talking about this article and how she felt like the only place that she felt love was when she was on stage and that's why she continued to perform because she had these issues where she couldn't open herself up to others because of all of the trauma that she had been through psychologically and even physically. And so that that's why she would perform and then she would feel this love and then she'd go off stage. And then that's what a lot of comedians will talk about how it's like that they crave that love and people that are funny or people that have huge personalities, not all the time, but a lot of times are people that are very broken in a similar way. I think we all have parts of us that are broken and I've learned as I've gotten older that just because I grew up really poor doesn't make it any worse than someone who grew up super rich that had some other weird issues. Like 
issues are issues. And I used to just be totally resentful of people with money. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not resentful. I'm just like, we don't understand the same things. Like, I don't know what it's like to have any sort of safety net. And I used to just be like, I just hate everybody who has money and is rich. I don't do that anymore. Partially a little bit because I'm successful to the point where right, right now I have a little bit of money. But also because I've also seen that it's not – it's as different as it is, it's the same. And so in my therapist's office, I was like, hey, so I kind of feel – after I read this article and I, I've watched a lot of performers. I've read a lot of books from performers. I was like, I'm kind of in that place where I just had a breakup. My dog's dying. There's all this stuff happening. That's not even the end of the world. People have lots more problems than me. But I paid for that time that I'm in there, dang it. So I'm, I'm <laughs> talking about me, right? And so we talked about that for a while. And I just wanted to bring up that article. And I was going to, uh, I'll tweet it out. This is over. But, and it's like, it also was, I said on the air this morning, you just don't know what anybody is going through ever if you don't know. And we don't know. We're, like, I'd say you and I are close. Do I know what happened? Do I know what you're really going through when you go home? And you're in your room for three hours. I, I, no, like I don't. I try to be nice and I try to be kind. And I try to think. I have no idea. Even when people are real jerks to me, even artists that I just don't get along with, and I don't have to get along with everybody. And there are artists that I have been and I don't get along with. But I'm like, hey, it's good for the show. What do I care? I always go, man. I wonder what's going on. Like, and I try to. I try as hard as I can to always have that perspective. And I don't always. I'm not. Nobody's perfect, but I tried to. And reading this story just reminded me, like, you would think she was a kid on top of the world. Mm-hmm. She was in the freaking Wizard of Oz, the biggest movie of, of all time. Yeah. You know, that and Freddie Got Fingered. <laughs> that Tom Green, spectacular there. The, but it was all, it was just, no, and she died in her 40s. And somewhere over the rainbow, I was watching a video, and she was performing it. And it was, she was doing a show. It was a Judy Garland show. And it was black and white. I'm getting a bunch of emails, sorry. Um, she was uh, performing the show, and it's in black and white. It's on YouTube. And she's singing it. It's one of, the, one of the two times. And you can see her crying as she's singing it. And listen, the thing that actresses do is they act. But after reading the story, you're just like, either she's the greatest actress of all time, or you're witnessing real pain right there. And there's a reason why she didn't sing that song. Cause all it did was remind her of this whole story that I read. Did you, when I talked about, it, did you go find the story. Yeah. Did it shake you a bit? It really did. Dude. More than I thought. And I was like, I'll just look at it. I'll just, I'm just going to, Oh my God. And I couldn't stop reading it. Yeah. So, um, I would suggest, I don't even care if you read it or not, but for me, that was, it, that was a thing. I was like, Ooh, that a thing too was, I watched The Punisher, and uh, it's a series on Netflix. I'm drinking tea, so maybe I'm having a little sip. Ah, it's hot. So The Punisher is a series on Netflix. And uh, if you don't like superhero movies, maybe it's not for you, but he's not really a superhero because he doesn't fly. He really doesn't have any powers except he can get punched in the face and bounce back pretty quick. Yeah, that's well, the most superhero thing that, about like, it. The superhero <laughs> thing about him is like – People beat the crap out of him, and like two hours later, he's like, "All right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go kill some more people. <laughs> no more bruises or anything." <laughs> Do you ever do the thing with movies where it's movies that are completely ridiculous, right? And every part of it's ridiculous, 
But if one little thing happens and like they they hurt their elbow, but all of a sudden they're throwing in the next, you're like that could never happen. He hurt his elbow, yet he's flying yeah. from building to building, and it's like you sus- disbelief is, is all like you suspend all that until someone twists their ankle and they're running in the next scene. Yeah. So Punisher, I thought was really good. Um, I watched uh, uh, who's the blind guy, the blind superhero, Daredevil. Watch Daredevil and. Enjoy Daredevil, and the Punisher shows up in Daredevil season two. And I don't even—I don't read comic books as much as I love these comic book shows on Netflix. I don't read comic books, and I'm not a comic book hater. Like, Neh. oh, first of all, I think they're totally nerdy, but I also think that I do totally nerdy things. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a respect thing for me. Like, you love comic books, you're such a nerd, <laughs> but that's okay because I'm such a nerd too in other ways. So I watched the Punisher, and I spent Thanksgiving binge watching it, and. Um, that was fantastic, and how it relates to the story, this Judy Garland story. Is I didn't expect to be moved by this Judy Garland story. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I'm watching The Punisher, and a lot of it intermittently talks about how people that serve during wartime go and they serve, and they come back, and they can't really find their place back because they've lived a life doing A, which is so abnormal mm-hmm. to what you and I do. And they come back, and then they're put in the place where you and I are again. And they're like, whoa, I have this whole skill set I've developed. My mind has been doing, trained to do this for years, and I don't feel like I fit in. Or, again, there's PTSD. There are all these things, and that we're not there for them. And I'm watching this, and I've, I've probably talked to, I mean, I don't know a number, but hundreds of vets because I do a lot of – I and we as a show do a lot of things for for veterans because I don't have the courage to do that. Like what they do, and police officers, what they do, what like uh, paramedics do, like all these, all those things like that. Even what teachers do, and I'm not comparing all of them, but they have hearts and and courage that I don't have. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I can't do that. Whatever that thing is, I don't have that goodness in me. I don't have the goodness in me to go serve my country and be a hero like that. Because I am a puss. Like, I just am. And because people do all those things, I get to do this. And so I respect that, and I feel like it's my right to go, hey, let's help. But this is not a applied anything for help. And my point is, I've been able to talk and have relationships with a lot of veterans. And that show, that show put me in a new place with how hard it is. That fictional superhero show <laughs> put me in a new spot with how hard it is for people to serve and come back and again I was moved by it and it's a superhero show but there are people because his character is someone who went and served in war things happen so that's what makes him his talents special mm-hmm. like he can shoot really well and he decides to do things with his talents and it's all part of the show but in part of it there are other people that served over in the war too and you're just like Oh, and it, it took that to communicate it, to drop down levels. To it's what the, that's, that's how it had to happen to me. It had, they had to take it down levels to a superhero show for me to go, oh my god! Like I already kind of got it, but I didn't really get it, and I still don't get it because I haven't experienced it. But I got it more, and it took them dropping. It, I needed it to come down to that level for me because I'll talk to old vets that have served in World War II, even some in Vietnam. These are different generations. Uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, a lot of Middle East now that are my age or seven, eight years older, mm-hmm. and, some, and some younger. And they're all, 
um, they all have stories and they, they and you're, but they talk in a language of them, and I don't understand that sometimes, and I try to, but when I watched Daredevil, I was like, oh my god, I'm I'm moved by this, by how hard it is for someone to go and serve, develop a skill set, take it, serve, use it, mentally go through all that, and then come back, and their skill set isn't needed in day-to-day life, which they've spent all these years just, uh, getting better at, cultivating, and then they come back also with things going on in their mind that I have no idea. I haven't mm-hmm. seen that. I don't know what it's like to all the time be like, I wonder if something's going to blow up around me. But Daredevil did it, and I was like, oh. It, it, there was an empathy that came from watching Daredevil that I'm because I've always had sympathy mm-hmm. where I was like, like I feel terrible that you had to go through that, and you, that's you doing something that I wouldn't have the courage to do. I would love to help, but there was an empathy that came from watching Daredevil, where it was like, not so much where you go, I just feel bad, but it's like, oh, I kind of understand more. I don't fully understand, but I kind of understand more, and it makes me want to do more. And again, it took a superhero show taking it down three notches to my level, yeah. down to the down to me being. I need to watch the superhero <laughs> show. I'm seven, but it did. It, it it hit me in that way. I don't know about you, but it, to me, it was. I, I just never looked at it like that until that. I think it was more that it was unexpected. Like I think after like the third episode, I just sat back. I was like, wait a minute, this is this is crazy. Like this is something that I've never thought about in this way before. Yeah, and that's what it took. Basically, writing a children's book for us. Yeah. People that haven't served, and and writing it in a children's book and making it. But by the way, Daredevil's not a children's book. No, not Punisher. Daredevil. Pu- Punisher. Any of those, any god, any of those shows. It is a violent <laughs> show. Violent. It's the most violent of all of them. It's good. Yeah. And there are times where I just turn my head. You know, what I also have a problem with, and this has nothing to do with the Punisher. I don't like when shows show needles going into arms and legs. But you can show the needle, and you can show the person going. Oh, like rolling. You don't have to show it going into the skin. So many shows do that. <laughs> I don't need to see it. I don't think there's anything gained by it. Can I turn my head anyway? And if you take the needle and you go, okay, and you put it up to the skin, the and then you show the reaction, <laughs> I know the needle's going in the skin. Yeah. I think there's nothing gained by showing And boy, they do that in all the shows now. They'll do that thing where they come up by me and want to stick them in the neck with a needle and put them down. <laughs> and so many, sh- and I'm like, oh, can it? And then, then it makes me uncomfortable for a while. I can do the needles. It's the bones breaking. I don't know what it is. I don't yeah. know watch NFL. Like, I can't um, watch those. Those are the, the. There was a player that ba- broke his leg basically this, yeah. this weekend, and I'm, I couldn't watch it. Yeah. And, the, and every highlight was short. I would just change it, as, or I could, or I would do that when you're seven. You cover your ears, close your eyes. Goes, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> I cover my ears and close my eyes. Because that was that that's, I, I I can't watch the Napoleon Kaufman knee injury. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have ever seen that from it's it's old now. From the Ra- I, I believe he was playing for the Raiders at the time, right back for the Raiders, and it, it went the wrong way. His leg went the wrong way. You know how a knee bends one way? Yeah, it went the other yeah, way. Can't watch those. There was Ohio State. <laughs> I I can't either. So uh, there's oh I, I, I got to Blue Apron because Blue Apron's awesome, and I have pictures. This time too, and for those that are watching on Facebook, I have pictures I can remember, which what's the stuff that I have, which I've had four of them lately. Um, I've had the butternut squash pasta with kale and brown butter walnuts, which I would never be able to make myself unless it was for blue, from Blue Apron. So what I'm going to say is, if you can go to blueapron.com/bobbycast 
And what they're doing right now is there's a $30 value. It's basically a free dinner. If you visit blueapron.com slash bobbycast, one word bobbycast, uh, with Blue Apron, it's, it comes right to your door. And you don't have to eat it right then. Because some of those things, you remember the thing was you go to the store, you go to these meal places, they have them already packaged. Mm-hmm. They're already made. The healthy meals. And you just put them in the microwave. Blue Apron's awesome because you don't have to do that. You, if it's like a Tuesday, you can eat it on Thursday or Friday. And it's all prepackaged. There's a card that tells you how to make it. And all of a sudden, you're making, like I said, I made the butternut squash. There was another one, too. Seared steaks and garlic butter with oven fries and romaine salad. Like, I had this. I didn't have, I had, like, one fry. I didn't have all the fries because I'm trying to stay away from that. But there's also uh, vegetarian options. So, Blue Apron's awesome. They're flexible. They have different recipes every week. Uh, blueapron.com slash bobbycast, if you want to. Just try it, too. Blueapron.com slash bobbycast. Um, so, there's that. Um, the Judy Garland thing was crazy. The Netflix thing was crazy. I'm going to talk about the Grammys in just a second. Uh, I do want to say that Chris Stapleton coming by was pretty cool. There was, a, there was a pressure I felt that I put on myself. And if you haven't heard the Chris Stapleton Bobbycast, I'd like for you to go listen to it. Because Chris doesn't talk a lot. And I've been lucky to know Chris more than just the guy on the radio. And I think that's why he came. Honestly, I think that's why he came here too was mm-hmm. because he felt comfortable coming and sitting here for an hour. And he just drove up in his Jeep, came by himself, hung, talked, laughed, talked about all kinds of stuff. There was a pressure on me. It was like, man, people – I don't know that Stapleton's ever done an hour straight. And he may have somewhere else. I don't know. But I was like, man, if I don't do an adequate job, people are going to crush me. Because how often does Chris Stapleton talk? I mean, hardly ever. Unless he's promoting an album, and then it's like he's going to come on the show. You're listening to this. I, I'm recording this on what is today, Wednesday. Yep. He's going to come on my radio show. You can hear this two weeks from now, or a month from now. Wait, today's Tuesday. But he's going to. Yeah, I don't know. Dude, I don't even <laughs> believe it anymore. Too. I'm so lost on my days. <laughs> I hate my calendar right now. My phone goes off. Let me get to my point real quick. Stapleton's going to come by and promote the album a bit on the radio show because it's a different audience. This thing is over time and it's millions a month, but people don't listen to it the next day always. But he's going to come up and we'll talk for eight minutes. And it'll be better than surface because I'm a better interviewer in the eight-minute spot than I think other people are. But that hour, I mean, is pretty, is pretty cool. He left and I wasn't ashamed of myself. I won't go back and listen to it. And I, there are things I wish I would have hit on, like some of his early songwriting. But I wasn't ashamed of myself. And a lot of times I'm ashamed of myself. I'm like, oh, you suck. <laughs> so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that Bobby cast. Um, I, I do want to talk about the Grammys because they came out today, and which uh, is cool. I mean, listen, I like music. Um, I went on a whole rant. I, I, I mean, uh, I just got lightly wrist slapped today. Lightly. Just lightly? Yeah, because I even said on the air, well, I'm going to yeah. get in trouble for these comments. And kind of what we – it's almost like when a NCAA t- yeah, a football team, they know they're going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. So they go ahead and they give themselves a, you know, a scholarship reduction. Like, hey, we yeah, don't know yeah, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah. We're going to cut four scholarships. <laughs> By me doing that, that's kind of what happened. And so I got in a little trouble today because I was talking about how our format, the country music format, is uh, it's going to, to, to hurt itself so badly because of the radio culture that exists. And as much as I'm on my phone and I stream – and radio isn't what it was in 1994, it's still by far the most massive medium there is for music. It's not going to be the same in 10 years. It's absolutely not going to be. It's going to be lesser. 
But radio to me isn't just the thing that comes to the car. This is radio right now mm-hmm. that I'm doing. This, this is radio. Uh, my show digitally is radio. When people stream it or podcast it, that's radio to me. Radio is not just what I do. But I'm talking about radio transmitter to car. In five years, you're looking at probably 12 to 15% gone to the other part of radio. Still radio, but not as much car to transmitter, but more of, hey, I have a 4G or 5, 5G in my car. I can listen to whatever I want. Or there's satellite. Or there's Spotify if you want to pick songs. Or That's why I'm glad I'm in the content business because if you're just a DJ and you're introducing songs, I mean, goodbye. Punch your ticket. You're out. Nobody cares. Like, bye-bye. Because nobody wants to hear – people just want to – Picking their own radio stations, making their own radio stations. And like my company has iHeart All Access, which is that, and they're developing that, and it's still becoming this thing. Uh, I have Spotify, Apple Music, I have all these things because I'm such a music nerd, and I don't want to miss anything. Same thing. Like I have to get a Hulu account. I heard there's a show called Too Funny to Too Funny to Fail. Yeah. And I haven't seen it, but one of my friends t- texted me today. was like, this is right up your alley. It's like the story of the Dana Carvey show. Have you seen it? No, I've heard about it. And so I'm like, oh, now i got to get a Hulu account. Are you kidding? And then eventually I'm going to cancel my cable. I can see it now. I'm not going to have cable. So the point is that radio is still by far the biggest. And I love it that it is. And I love it that in five years it's still going to be the biggest. Slightly less, but radio is where it goes less. Is it's going to be more digital. Like those who find their way digitally are going to punch their own tickets. Um, so... That's why I get so mad at country radio is that, you know, it's a system, in my opinion, of just a bunch of record labels trading out number ones, you know. And people think radio stations like pick singles of artists. We don't pick singles of artists. Not, that's not how it works in any pop, hip-hop, country. We don't pick the singles. The label pick the singles, and then radio goes, huh, do I like this single? Let me play it a little bit. We'll see how well it does, how well it tests. They test it. They do a lot of testing on, like, focus groups. That's how a lot of songs move up. They get tested. People are like, why is this song moving up? Well, it's been tested. Like, they've let 10,000 people hear it, and it's got fantastic scores. And so most of the time, they don't just go, let's just make this song big. Let's, let's, let's just make this song a top 20 song. Um, and it kind of circles around, and i get to that in a second. So some people will be like, you know what? Radio sucks. Well, that's the benefit of you having iHeartRadio or Spotify or Apple Music. You can listen to whatever you want. Like, get off my nuts because you can listen to whatever you want. I got no problem with you listening to your own favorite music. It's everywhere. Music, YouTube. That's how I found so many artists. That's that's how I've broken so many artists. It's freaking YouTube. It's like, let me just see. Let me just search around. And then I click that and it'll be like, you may also like. Then I click that. You may also like. Like, Tucker Bethard is an example of someone I found on YouTube. I was like, oh, Whoa, this is cool. Okay, come, I played it. He, they weren't even ready for radio with that. And Rock On went to number two. Didn't go to number one, but it was the number two song. I just found it on YouTube. But you know, but there's like the cams, the um, Marins, the stuff, people like that that I just found online and was like, oh, I play this. And uh, so with radio, it's still the by far the only thing that makes an artist. It, it sells tickets. Like Spotify is more peer to peer. The, the anything on demand Spotify, Apple Music mm-hmm. iHeart All Access uh, Tidal all those are the same we'll call them streaming music they're mostly peer-to-peer meaning you got a friend they'll recommend it to you 
But it's not really going to hit. Even on a playlist, it's not really going to create anything. I have there are people I know, buddies of mine, that have twenty million listens on a playlist, and they can't sell out a bar. So when people are like, "Oh, guess what? I got ten million plays on Spotify," I'm like, "Okay, Yankee Yank." You know, it doesn't mean anything. It's just somebody putting out a playlist and someone listening to. And I don't think those numbers are real anyway. I don't even know if the numbers are real. Listen to my show. You know, they'll be like, "You have you know a million listeners." I'm like. Did you talk to the mockers? I don't think that many people like me. <laughs> so, again, data is just data. And we use what we use. And maybe it's more. Maybe more people listen to my show than I think. They always go like, five million. You have five million listeners. And I'm, well, I was like, man, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can see the digital numbers. Yeah. And I know that's in the millions. So that's what makes me believe maybe it is five million. Because I know right now Soul Radio is bigger than digital. So and what do I know? I don't know. I don't know anything. I just say stuff sometimes. Sometimes there's just a hole to fill. And I just say words to fill it. I mean, I was there are times I'm just like, well, I got 18 seconds to fill. Let me just say some words here. And so, with radio, uh, in my opinion, labels call and they trade out number ones. And it's like, hey, you know, well, that's why a song will go. This is to, to me irritates the crap out of me. A song will be number one, and then next week they'll just yank it and take away. It'll get. 3,000 spins less than the week before. And I'm like, wait a minute. Logically, if a song is number one, you don't wake up the next day and go, well, nobody likes this song anymore. That's not how it works. When you're a pro golfer and you've worked your way to number one, you don't have one bad tournament and fall to number 73. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. You don't go... Nine and three in the NFL and lose a game, and it's like, oh, they're a playoff contention. They're now they now suck because they lost to the Dolphins. And that's how life works. And so, rep radio does that. Country radio does that. Pop radio, as stupid as it is, and I work over. I worked at pop radio forever, and I hated some of those songs. Just like I can't stand some of the songs now. There will never be a format I'm in where I love all the songs. I would say I actually love like one out of ten songs. I like about four out of ten, and the other six I'd be like, yeah, I don't care. Not that good. But I think that's normal human. That's just how we are. We're in a, and radio is still the biggest thing for exposing new music. And listen, I'm a guy that's totally on the – I was having a conversation with one of my bosses. Like, hey, yo, 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 we got to be building our bomb shelter here because you realize – and I'm the guy that's super progressive digitally. Like everything's digital. I don't do a radio show for people listening. I, it's almost like I don't even care about ratings anymore. And it's the best year of ratings we've ever had in the history of our show and – we're the biggest show ever and lottie dotty friggin' da. Who cares? But I'm like, radio's not even gonna matter. It's all gonna be downloads and how many people are actually consuming it. Like, that you can prove. I say that. We have extremely high ratings. <laughs> and it's a weird thing to say, but it's, it's easier to say that when you have good ratings because if I were saying that and had bad ratings, they'd be like, you're just saying that because you have bad ratings. So I say it now. So then when I have bad ratings, like, yeah, because yeah, it's inevitable. <laughs> it's inevitable. Ratings go up and down. Ratings go up and down. And it's inevitable. I get bad ratings. I'm be like, it doesn't matter. And so it always matters. But um, it's going to become a prove it to me data landscape. And so what happens is radio labels like, hey, okay, you can have number one this week, and we're going to do our syndication and get all the spins. And you take number one this next week, but no songs live. They have no no life. And so there's no passion behind them because they're here and gone. And then, yep, goodbye. And then songs get screwed. I, if I'm correct, and I am a lot of times, <laughs> I believe Sam Hunt's Body Like a Backroad on the radio chart was only number one for two weeks. 
and maybe three, but I believe only two weeks, and that's a travesty because it's the biggest song of 2017. But because that's not how radio works, I don't know where to trade out. I'm labeled them, trade it out. Okay, I gotta. I will trade you a Bobby Bonilla Tops 1987 card. <laughs> And you give me a Ken Griffey Jr. rated rookie Donruss. That's basically what happens. And so when the Grammys come out today and there are no major categories of the country artists, I'm like, it's because we've let the passion level go. Because we're just like, surface number one, surface number one, surface number one. There have been number one songs in the past three or four weeks. I'm like, that's not a number one song. That's just, it's just a label trained it out. Like, Lanco should have been at least in the fight for multi-week. Thomas Rhett's Unforgettable in the fight for multi And I think Unforgettable may have been a May have been a two-week, number one. That's a song that should have sat there for four weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, you hear uh, Chesney came in, and uh, I was talking to, to Chesney, and he was like, you know what, man, back when, I forget which, maybe it was, um, it's five o'clock somewhere. Alan Jackson. It, it, it was, Chesney couldn't get past, I think he couldn't get to number one because Alan, because for eight weeks he was at number two. And that's how it should be. We don't all get promoted to boss for a week and you go back down. That's not how this works. I'm done talking about that part of it. Because I will sit here for an hour and just be disgusted with how the record labels do. And record labels and radio. and Listen, I mean, and people are like, oh, don't you? I don't pick all the music. I pick... <laughs> Oh, I don't have to, if I, I can't have time to pick music. I'll pick things like single songs and be like, this is the jam. And what I can do, and everybody does it differently because I think everybody has their own place. Like what Spotify can do is put it out there and, and you can it, saturate it. People can check it out. It's, that, it's there for everybody and everybody can take a look at it. And, and you, they can share it. What satellite can do is they can take something to play as much as they want a hundred times. And all these are positive things. I'm not even, I think there are places, this is where everybody's place is. What Satellite does that I like is that they can take a song and they can take a song, um, a Maggie Rhodes, for example. It doesn't have a label. Fantastic singer. Um, doesn't have a record deal, but they can take one of her songs and make her what they call a highway fine. They can play it all they want. They don't have ratings to live up to. They literally have no idea if people are listening to their station, but they don't care. And that's cool because that's, that's what they're, they're doing. Like They can play it. 50 times and they can see where it goes and usually Satellite's power is about they can get a song up to about 40 like on the on a download chart or any kind mm-hmm. of digital chart where I come in is I can't play a song all the time but I can play it and go check this out and I can make it pop and react and it's a real reaction like a gauge like do people like it I can tell you because if you come in and I play it three times and it doesn't go top five then let's just see where it sits I got Chris Ableton not Chris Ableton Chris Jansen Drunk Girl they came, he came in. No, he didn't even come in. I just played it. I was like, this song's fantastic. Two, like two months ago. Shoom, shot up. I mean, same thing, Buy Me a Boat. That's how I got a record deal. It was Buy Me a Boat, went to number one on iTunes in a day. But, um, and I don't say that like, oh, look at me. A little bit I do, but mostly it's like, <laughs> the listen, listeners have to love it or it doesn't matter. If the listeners don't like it, nothing matters. Same thing with the show. Like, I can sit here and say whatever I want about me, but without people going, ooh, like I'm entertained by Bobby. Either he's funny, compelling, he's being a real dick right now. All that has to happen or nobody cares. Like they have to do that. And I understand that I'm only here because of the listeners of, if you're listening to me right now, you listen to the show. Like I, 
that's part of the game I get. Like I don't get to do this without them. So I try to serve them. And I try to serve you that's listening with honesty, even if it's uncomfortable at times. Because I feel like you'll at least respect that. So, that being said, on the air today, I know that segment hurt ratings. I know some people were like, okay, Bobby's a about the format again. Change. I know that it's going to hurt short-term ratings. But I think for me... I'm okay with that for long-term change. And I don't think that one segment long-term change. But I'm the only guy with a national voice that's screaming about how this whole system sucks and is going to kill the format. And it's so weird because to the super progressives, I'm the guy that like loves 80s and 90s country and is like, oh, and is it sometimes progressive enough? But to the people that are super like, traditional, I'm so progressive. And it's like, oh, well, this guy... He'd get in a bath with Sam Hunt. Yeah, probably, 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 probably true. <laughs> but much like being in a format, and I've been in the mall, I've never fit in anywhere. It's so weird to never fit in. I don't fit in. in I ended up picking the country format because it's where I fit in the most. Do you understand? Our most po- second most popular segment behind Tell Me Something Good our second most popular segment is a segment on country radio where I play hip-hop songs, which is the dance party. Because I would sit and I would scream at people. Scream, uh, not literally, over and over again. Figuratively, I would scream at people. And be like, the listeners of the radio, they don't just listen to one format. Let me just entertain them. Like, Let's serve them the format. They came to hear country music. But in this segment... It's my time. I would like to serve them with some Biggie. I would like to serve them with some Ed Sheeran. Mix in a little George Strait and Garth. And then maybe we go and play. And they were like, ooh, that'll never work. Okay, well, cool. Let's test it. Let's send it to thousands of people and see. And they're like, well, oh, it was a bad day for a PDs whenever I got the results back from research. They said the dance party was our second biggest segment. Like, they all took their man or woman. This is female, male, whatever, they all took their ding-dong, put it between their legs, and they were like, okay, we'll give up on fighting this fight. Because I just know, like, I know my people. Not all the time. 96% of the time. Sometimes I'll talk about something and people are like, you're just too crazy. Like, I have no idea. I don't relate to that one bit. You're just nuts. 96% of the time, like, I know my people. And I fight for the format, even though it doesn't seem like it, whenever I'm playing a Lil Uzi song. <laughs> And I'm doing a bit going <laughs> like, but I fight for the format and I'm the person to fight for the format because I'm today's normal listener of country music, meaning love it. I also love other things. And so I, but it's the most important format to me. And I don't even like formats. I think formats are stupid. I think formats are stupid. I think formats back in the day are cool like how it was so different and split and everybody had their own place everything now with the digital age being able to just kind of intertwine has changed the culture so because of the culture change I don't get angry when things start to sound somewhat sonically similar you can't get angry at that and so I love formats from the 60s and the 70s the 80s the 90s but then it started once Napster came out influences just were happening and Sometimes you don't even know you're influenced by things, yet you are. So much so that you can try to make a traditional country record, but then you end up making a John Party record, which is, you don't get more country than John Party. I had a 30-minute conversation with John Party, 
And okay, uh, disclosure: John Party and I are friends, not buddies. I only have like three friends in my life. John Party and I are good buddies. And as far as artists go, one of them that I would call and go, "Hey, uh, I know it's ten o'clock on a Saturday. Would you mind like driving over the house for a minute and, and help me out with this?" Like I would call John Party to do that, and he'd be like, "Yeah, man, I'm in town. I come do it." Or he'd be, he wouldn't be able to. But we were talking about stink bugs and renovating. All these things. But John Party made an album that's traditional country, but really, sonically, is so progressive. Sounds and tracks and people, because of the cowboy hat and because he really is, that's John Party, the country dude. But John Party was completely influenced by R&B, hip-hop. A lot of sounds that you don't even mean to know that you just are. And that, you know, his... Uh, California Sunrise mm-hmm. the, that's the name of it right mm-hmm. um, that's why his record's so good he's mixed he, he found the way to mix it both and make everybody happy like there are people don't even like country music like been up since crack dawn still trying to get paid no like, that's a jam like I don't even know why I like that song because it's a good song no matter what format it is this whole podcast supposed to be about the Grammys I haven't even got there I, yet. <laughs> I haven't had a drink of tea like 40 minutes in <laughs> oh my god are we that far yeah. in <laughs> Oh man, I have a meeting too. And like, okay, okay. What up to everybody watching on Facebook right now, listening to the, me continue to go on and on? I'll go back and read the comments later. Not all of them, because people will start fighting. And they'll be like, man, Bobby's a douche. And that's about the time I check out. I'll be like, why do you think he's a douche? Well, because now he has a beard. And I'm like, well, there's no, there's no logic behind that. If you're like, he's a douche because he feels this way and I don't agree, I'd be like, nah, don't agree, but can see where you're coming from. I feel like I'm a douche. Like, I know that I'm a douche because I don't think a douche is a bad person. I have friends that are douchebags. I think a douchebag is someone that at times feels they're, they're much cooler than they really are. And the only thing I'm good at is this. And I'm good at it. I'm in the Hall of Fame. Good God, I'm in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, and that, that whole thing felt ridiculous. This is a whole different podcast where I, I felt ridiculous. And the whole thing was ridiculous and I shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> But too bad. I'm in it. I'm in the Radio Hall of Fame. Suck it, everybody. How about that? Should I be? Nah. I shouldn't be. But I'm in it. Like, my listeners put me in the Hall of Fame. And if you were like, okay, all things are even, should you be in the Radio Hall of Fame? Of course not. No. The answer, absolutely not. But you know what? I'm in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Go to Chicago. They have a museum. Pictures there. Pictures there. I signed that thing. I'm in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. It's like, it was like me and a bunch of 70-year-olds in the picture. <laughs> I felt stupid. The whole night I felt stupid. The whole night I felt like this is so ridiculous. I don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but I deserve to be here to represent the listeners, which is why when I got on stage, I, I was like – I, and everyone else is – you know th- these guys – have a whole career to thank people that have been there with them for 50 years. Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, listen, I would be a listener. Some of them are listening online right now. Let me just say, I just wouldn't be on this podium. I probably shouldn't be on this podium, but without the people listening to the show, there's, I wouldn't be here. And then I thank some people that obviously were influential to my, it was like when I wrote a memoir, my book. I was like, I should write a memoir. I'm, this is stupid. I was 34, 35 years old. Like what have I done in my life to deserve to write a memoir? And so I was embarrassed to turn it in. And I've said this. I don't even know if I said it on the air. But I've said this to enough friends where it's I, – I mean this in a sincere way of when I wrote that book, 
I was embarrassed, not at the things that I said inside of it, but because I felt like I was going to have to go promote something that wasn't a good product. Because I was like, this is not a good, I'm not a good writer. The book's not good. Why would someone read about me? I That was a bestseller for four weeks. So I'd like to say this. I'm a New York Times number one bestselling author. Suck it! <laughs> but again, I would never have thought that because it was like, I, it, I just did not think it was good. And when I sent it, the first two people I sent it to, I was like, oh. And I know what people are going to say sometimes because you send work to them and you're like, they're going to be like, oh, it's good. That book was, I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed until the week after it came out. And people were like, dude, some of your stories I so relate to. And thank you for telling those stories about yourself because I felt like nobody related to them. That book was a thing for me where it was like, nobody understands what I'm about to say. Nobody has been through situation A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I go to comedy shows. I go do, you know, people are like, you know what story real? And I was like, like, really? You know what that feels like? They were like, oh my God, yeah. I was like, oh, wow. And so for me, that's been the big thing. And I'm writing the second book now, and I hate it. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's a terrible book. And I feel the same way I did my first book, and it's the only tool that I have to keep me from going insane. Because the first book I was writing the whole time was like, it's terrible. The second book, it's a terrible book. And I'm like, I'm going to have to put it out, and it's probably going to suck. I'm not going to live up to what the first one is, which I thought sucked anyway, and then people convinced me it wasn't. But because I went through that first round feeling that way, I can at least have this voice in my head of a little bit of real life going, hey, you felt this way once, and it didn't turn out like you thought it was going to. So it's like I have two voices, the one going, this sucks. And the one going, yeah, you told yourself that before, and it turned out pretty good. So let's not beat yourself up completely. So that's the process I'm going through right now. Like I just had an email with my publisher. I, like I, this book sucks. I say it. It's I don't. The whole and we've said the title of the book yet, but the whole thing is about how failing is just essential to succeeding. And I told this. I did a TED talk on what well, I think the TED talk was called um, "Losing to Win" or. Winning by losing. Winning by losing. Yeah. And like the people that are the most successful, and we see them as the people we want to be because they're so successful, they're the people that we didn't want to be for a long time because they failed so much. Like we had no idea that we have no idea people's failures. We only see the big the successes. We, we have no idea the 10,000 things they were rejected for. But the biggest winners are the ones that, continue, that, that learn from rejection. They get up and just take another punch. And then they learn from that punch and they get up and take another punch. It's like the freaking Punisher. I do took so many punches and he just got up and he was all healed up immediately. So that's what the second book's about. And I've re- and people are also telling their stories. Like I've reached out to friends. I did, like uh, Charlemagne, the governor of Arkansas. Uh, people like I don't want to spoil it, but are like the question I ask them was like, "Hey, what's your low? What's your low point?" Like I don't care about the success. I know how successful you are. People know how successful you are. That's why you're being talked to. What's your low point? And there's and all these super successful people have so many low points and it's like this that's the common thing that's the common thing of successful people that they went through a ton of failure so that's what the book is about and then I'm probably like two thirds of the way through it and it is not good I'm gonna say that right on the record it's not good <laughs> to the Grammys I say to the Grammys to the Grammys which was the whole reason we're gonna do this um Country song. 
Better Man from Little Big Town. These are the nominees. Taylor Swift, songwriter. There you go. Body Like a Back Road, Sam Hunt. Zach Crow, Sam Hunt, Shane McAnally, Josh Osborne, songwriters. Broken Halos. Chris Stapleton and Mike Henderson. Drinking Problem, Midland. People say I got a drinking problem. One, two, three. Or a lot of people wrote that song. Yeah. Holy crap. Like a Beyonce song. Like nine people wrote that thing. Uh, but I think the band was part of it. So it's like when Lady A writes a song. There's like five people. Well, because three of them, three of them are the band. Or like Little Big Town. You know, you hear that. And it's like, where was Little Big Town? Well, that's four writers. <laughs> Holy crap. So yeah, a lot of people wrote that. And then Ten Man, uh, written by Jack Ingram, Miranda Lambert, John Randall. So. Hey there, Mr. Tin Man. Is that the Jack Ingram? That? You don't know how lucky you are. How about that? I didn't know that. So those are the five songs. Um, all de- all deserving. People are like being a hater on Midland because they have one song. And never be a hater on somebody that gets something. You can always be disappointed for someone who didn't get put in. But never be the hater that goes, they don't deserve it. Because there are probably times you didn't deserve something. And you got it. I know, God knows I have. I don't think that's fair. And there are people like, Sam Hunt, Body Like a Background. It's the biggest song of the freaking year. Let's just take this away from this. Never be a hater for someone that has something. You can always wish someone that didn't get it would have got it. But don't be like, no, well, they don't deserve it. Says who? Says you? Who are you? And I'm even me and I'm nothing. Like, don't be a hater towards somebody who has something. Be someone who lifts somebody else up. You're like, you know what? I really felt like, I don't, I mean, I don't feel this way, but uh, let's go blue ain't your color. Mm-hmm. I really feel, feel like blue ain't your color should have been in that. And uh, I just don't think better man should have. Well, no, no, that's great. leave the second part out. Screw better man not being in there. That has nothing to do with it. Okay, it's okay that you feel like blue ain't your color got snubbed. Don't be like, well, I don't think better man should have been in there. I don't, and I saw some people doing that toward Midland. Much like Maddie and Tate were at the CMAs, people were like, well, they shouldn't have been in duo of the year. How about instead of people that shouldn't, you go, you know who I thought really kind of got robbed was Big and Rich. I think they could have been in, uh, in that duo of the year award. Not let's take Maddie and Tay out because they haven't put a single out in a year. Don't be hating on people that have stuff. Be supportive of people, period, that you enjoy and like. So I have no problem with any of those songs. A matter of fact, let's see. Better Man was a number one, I believe. Body Like a Backer was number one. Broken Halo still isn't, still in the top 20. Um, Stapleton may never have a number one because all the stuff is so good people just want to play it all and it, and everybody playing it all helps his albums which is why I sell so many albums but it hurts his singles and then people go oh radio sucks you don't play a single no 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 radio plays everything of his it's like the opposite I mean, as soon as Chris comes out with a song I, pl- I play it I'm just like oh, oh love this one Scarecrow yep, play it and then I can't play another one for another 45 minutes so maybe it takes a broken halo spin out and then try so yeah, the whole Stapleton having a radio single argument, people say that. That's always stupid to me because people love Stapleton so much. That's why he doesn't have a radio because they want to play all <laughs> yeah. of his songs. And you can't play three Stapleton songs an hour. Um, I'm fi- I, I, So I'm just going to do who do I think will win. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish – I'm not going to wish on all these. I wish Body Like a Back Road would win because Sam gets overlooked because he's so progressive and he ain't country. You know, I wish body, but it'll be probably it'll be Stapleton or Miranda. Yeah, 
And rightfully so. There's not a bad pick in this. Any of them win? Hey, kudos to you. But it'll be sta- – and probably probably Stapleton because he crosses genres a little better than Miranda does. People that don't like country music like Stapleton. So probably I'm going to talk myself into going with Chris Stapleton winning that award. I, I, I think that's who will win. Um, country album, Kenny Cosmic Hallelujah, which had all the pretty girls all on it. The pretty girls say- Lady A Heartbreak. Like, hey, little Big Town, The Breaker. Someone stops loving you. I love that little Big Town song is so good, and I don't know if it's even going to do anything in radio, uh, but I love it. Uh, Thomas Rhett, Life Changes. And then um, Chris Stapleton from A Room, Volume 1. That song's awesome. Hey, uh, okay, I'm going to do it right now. You know what song did not, what album did not get in this that should have? Is the Miranda record. Oh, yeah, it was not. The Miranda record absolutely should have been in this category. Should, uh, will it win? I don't know. Am I the biggest, like, do I listen to Miranda Lambert at home by myself? No, not really. This album more than any of your others because it's more of an art. I like the art slow. And I like this album more than I have, like, when, you know, pissed off Miranda shooting dudes in their nads, you know, gun. You know, that's really not mm-hmm. my kind of jam. I do like this record um, that she did, like, for my own personal taste. But I think she should have been in this. I don't think there's anybody that shouldn't be. Uh, Stapleton wins. With from a room volume one, and then he wins again from a room volume two next year. I mean, just, <laughs> go that dude. And like, if he didn't win, his life's exactly the same to him. He wins, <laughs> his life's exactly the same to him. Yeah. He did. He, nothing changes. <laughs> That's what's awesome about him. There were times where I would talk, and and again, I'm lucky to get to know Chris a little more. I and you would see you're in here. I'd make him completely uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> completely. And he'd start looking down. He'd start looking down, and I would just hammer him, and I would not let up. Be like, dude, look, why, up. look at me. Like, up. Take the praise. Take, yes. yes. Um, I think Chris Tableton wins that album of the year. Uh, do I have any more? Are there any more? Are there the two country ones I have up? Yeah. Okay. Let me do um, Song of the Year. Is that to start with Despacito? Mm-hmm. All right. Despacito. Quiero respirar tu cuello despacito. Deja que te diga cosas al oído. Para que te perdes si no estás conmigo. Despacito. Quiero desnudarte besos. That's kind of jam. Uh, Jay-Z's 444444444. That whole album sucked. Yeah. I love Jay-Z. I was so underwhelmed. I haven't... Stole the album illegally because it wasn't going to come out. Like you had to be. Was the title? Was that yeah, was the title thing? And I was like, I'm not. I'm not subscribing to the title for a Jay Z album. So one of my friends was like, I'll send you the record. I normally don't do that. Like I said, I'm not a perfect person, but I did. And I was like, Oh, I'm glad I didn't subscribe for this. It was not. That was not my jam. It just felt like old yeah. Jay Z. That wasn't like lyrically. When I read it, it was. It, it, it seemed like wonderful poetry, but I just. It did. It, it, yeah. yeah. I listened to it once and never went back to it. Yeah. I apologize. I That's for song of the year. Uh, Julia Michaels' issues. I got issues. So different. So awesome. Love it. I, I said on the show this morning, like, that's one of those where you got to look at the radio and go, what is this? Because nothing sounds like it. I got issues, but you got them too. That's good. Uh, Logic featuring uh, all those people. Uh, 1-800-273-8255, which is the actual number to call. It's the suicide hotline. Uh, great message, and the song is really good too. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is crazy because they don't even say the number of the song. No, which is crazy. <laughs> but what a brilliant idea! That's the name of the song. 
but they don't say it in the song because they don't need to. Like, here's the message, but here's the title. And if you need to know, here's the number right here for you to call. Love that. It's set that's different level, that's second level thinking. I want you to be alive. I want you to be alive. You don't gotta die today. You don't gotta die. That's good. And then Bruno Mars is what I like. That's what I like. Lucky for you. Uh, so here's what happens. Jay Z song, that's garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really garbage because I can't do it. <laughs> but it just, it just, this is a category. Uh, Jay Z is garbage. Um, I'm gonna throw that in garbage. The Despacito and that's what I like are the populist votes because they're both so big. Despacito is so big, so big. And it's just when it, when Bieber's on something, critics go and they shouldn't, but they go, nah, we're not gonna give this an award. And they shouldn't. Justin Bieber's good, uh, and that song is good. And I love that a non-English song dominates for a while. To me, that even <laughs> though I don't know what they're saying, it, it's got to be so good. It's like this group uh, BTS. The, yeah. K-pop, Korean. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but I'm like, that's cool. They, there's something to it. I don't even know what they're saying, but it's like, it, yeah, 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 they're not on any awards. But I'm gonna, I, you know, I think that um, if I'm gonna pick one of these, it, I'm gonna go with because I'm torn between the two. I'm gonna go because of the message. I'm gonna go with Logic. I think that wins Song of the Year. And is it the biggest song? No, but you, you have to start weeding things out. And I'm gonna go with that 1-800 is. Long. I want you to be alive. I want you to be alive. Yeah, it's. What would you pick? I'd probably go Despacito. Such a big. It was the biggest song. I just feel like people see Justin Bieber. Maybe the data can replace the Bieber hate. Because the data is that's the biggest song. And I hope. And if it does, I mean, it's like Sam Hunt. It probably should be. But I just feel like people see Bieber and go, nah, he's a brat. <laughs> it shouldn't. Not all the time. Uh, there's some other country, like a uh, country group duo performance, which are, some of these awards just get so weird and so like odd. But um, everybody, nah, who cares? Country solo performance. I don't even know what that means. Performance. Like, what they, what they, is, you have to submit a YouTube video of you performing the song in your living room or what? Like, I really don't know what that means. Um, but, like, Sam and Allison Krauss is nominated, Miranda Lambert, Marion Morris, Chris Stapleton. Not. Listen, if Chris Stapleton's in an award, just go ahead and give him the award. If a country duo group, you just give it to Brothers Osborne. They're awesome, and the people love them, and the critics love them. It's a rare thing. It's a rare... It's, they don't have a number one song. But it's a rare thing that critics and people both love them. I... Uh, also, I love them in many ways. <laughs> uh, best new artist, which is an interesting category. How long have we been on the air, by the way? Uh, fifty-eight minutes. On the air. On the air. We are live on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, best new artist. I like this category. Except there's no. Last year we had two country. Mm. We had two country females. Marion and Kelsey. Yeah. And this year ain't crap. None of the big 14 categories really have country artists in it. And I already went to that spiel. That, that's irritating. Because I'd like for somebody to root for on the TV show. Because the TV show is... I mean, that's what everybody watches. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to remind people, yeah, I want a Grammy. Cool, cool, cool. I didn't see you. I didn't see you on there. I didn't see you. Yeah, well, it was a commercial. <laughs> I I, I, it's on YouTube. No, no, no. They gave it to me at 3 p.m. at a... At a and it's still a Grammy, and it's awesome. But you want me on the TV show. And none of our people are going to be on the TV show. 
So let's see. Unless they put one of the country categories. I don't know if they put. They may do country album of the year or something like that. Like they may do one of those. Uh, new artist. This uh, Alicia Alicia Cara. Alicia Alicia Cara. Yeah, yeah I know the song. I know who she is. A fantastic singer. Yeah, listen to when I leave. That the skies are beautiful. The skies are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I listen to. Um, I'll listen to Elvis Duran sometimes on after the show, but they don't play music on Elvis' podcast, so I don't get to hear the music. Mm-hmm. But I do listen to Ryan's show because they're two hours behind. So if I do, if it's ten thirty or eleven, right? I'm in the car after the show. I'll flip it over and uh, put it on Kiss in Los Angeles and listen. I, that's how I hear a lot of the music. Also, um, have satellite too, and so they have Kiss and uh, Z100 are on satellite. Mm-hmm. And so I'll listen to them for that music. That hits one channel. Kind of douche because they t- st- totally st- stole Tell Me Something Good. They, act, they they literally do a segment. So, like, Secret says too, but see, Ryan called me and was like, hey, dude, I know you've been doing Tell Me Something Good for 14 years. Do you mind if I do it? And I'm going to do it the same way you do it, but I'm going to do it like you do where I play the jingle. And I was like, sure. I'll, I hope everybody does tell me something good. But only with written permission from me. No, I don't know why I say that. <laughs> but they do that on Hits 1 and they do tell me something good. And I'm just like, man, I'm just totally being a hater. But pick a different thing like other shows do. Like, here's the happening hot, happy news of the day. Yeah. And do tell me something good the same exact way we do it. You goobers. I'm sure they're nice people, but... Uh, I listened to that hits one and I'm like, nah. And uh, what else we got here? Um, location from Khaled, Texas kid. Mm-hmm. I remember going over and looking at his Twitter, and he had like a thousand followers. Like yeah. when he first came. I mean, yeah. Now I watched him at the BT Awards this year too. I yeah. saw like a tweet he posted like three years ago. He's like, I'd like to go to the Grammy someday, and he retweeted it today. He's like, Hey, I did it. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. This is a good song. I like this one a lot. Let's get Fizzo with DJ Khaled. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's Khaled, right? Khalid. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I've mispronounced two <laughs> names so far. I don't hear him said. I just listen to the songs. I do love that. Send me your location. That's good. He's Beaumont, right? Beaumont, Texas? Beaumont. Yeah. Yeah, I got no shame in my pronouncements. Lil Uzi. Lil Uzi Burt. Sucks. <laughs> and he's really, I mean, he's obviously really good, but when he came out with Ed Sheeran, I was like, this is garbage. Why are you running Ed Sheeran performance? But again, I'm 37 now, so I'm probably not getting it. Like, there's also <laughs> me that's like, I'm going to mispronounce the kids, and I'm going to not like some of the new stuff. But I recognize that. Here we go. I have no idea what he just said. <laughs> just in case you're wondering, you're listening at home. No idea the words he just said. Red Rock, Devin Stock, Red Rock. That's not right, but that's what I'm thinking. Listen. I got fast car and NASCAR. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I also understand that's not meant for me. <laughs> meant for a younger generation. For uh, meant for twenty-two year olds. So I respect that, but to me, I just hear, "Get off my lawn!" You know, that's me. I'm I'm the old man. Get off me, <laughs> kids! Get off my lawn. So little Uzi Vert. They, I read a thing today where this is the first year that, um, like, uh, best artist, maybe new artist. 
Uh, Jay Michaels. Like, there were no white males that were like, hey, look at that. Look at that. White males aren't uh, dominating. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Wait, I'm a white male. But I was still like, <laughs> I was still like wait, that's cool. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, I'm the same way. I'm like, hey, I'm an, an, enough with white males. Like, let's get some females. Let's get some diversity in there. We've seen what white males do, just in general. Enough. Enough with old white males. Um, Julia Michaels, uh, up for Best New Artist. She's awesome. I mean, she's like two foot tall, and she wrote all these songs for all these artists too. Like she's a songwriter first. Yeah. Wrote, I watched her do like a, a medley of all her songs, playing them, and then I went up and I was I was geeking out there. I was like, I gotta get a picture with you. It was one of the few artists that I would do. Like, didn't care. Stepped through people and was like, Julie, I got a picture with you, but this is a big fan. <laughs> I turned into Lil Uzi, but speaking uh, in English. I just like all these big fan, and she's. Uh, okay, I took a picture and then I ran away. I was like, "Give me Dean Michaels, <laughs> NASCAR, fast car." Uh, Julie Michaels. And then another one that I, I guess that's the only one I know how to pronounce because SZA. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I didn't know how to pronounce that before. But it's S Z A. Uh, weekend. I know the song, but ZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZZ
Everybody listening, uh, watching on Facebook. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for listening to this, and we'll see you next time. And, uh, we got who's coming up uh, later in the week? Barry Dean. Oh, Barry Dean, who a uh, writer of many country songs like "Diamond Rings" and "Old Barstools." Michael Ray, think a little less. Pontoon. Pontoon. Uh, day drinking. Didn't even start writing songs until he was like 35, like like country writer. Like he didn't even. Bell Barry Dean. That'll be the next one. All right, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah.